0: Good morning. Glad you're here today. I would like to let you know about a couple of folks we have speaking in the next two weeks. Um, you, you, we haven't heard from them before here, and so I want to clue you into what's going on. Um, next week, Joe Barry is going to be bringing the message He's a a group leader here, he's been a group leader, he's been all kinds of things, he's a host, so you've seen him up here on stage before, Um, but he's graciously offered to prepare and deliver the message next week. The staff and the folks who normally uh, would be speaking are going to be at what's called the Antioch Project Summit. Antioch Project is a gradual level training program that we have here and at a few other churches in Southern California. It's tied to our network of churches, 176 Network, and um, it's also in Texas. It started in Texas at Hope Church, where I came out of to start this congregation. Anyway, enough said. We're all, all the staff's going to be gone, and Joel is delivering the message. He is a pastor's kid, and so he is up at his dad's church. His dad is retiring this year. And so this weekend, he's up at his dad's church, and he told me he is going to deliver the same message that he's doing next week. So this is a warm-up for him. Uh, yeah, his dad really likes for him to speak when he's there, and so Joel offered, and it's, it's a warm-up. <laughs> he gets that in. And then <clears throat> on June 4th, we'll have the privilege of hearing from Kent Anderson, uh, Kent, is a friend of mine. He's the president of Northwest Baptist Seminary in Langley, British Columbia. It's a beautiful place. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we have a, a partnership with Northwest Baptist Seminary uh, that allows our students in the Antioch Project to complete their master's degree through the program that we have. And What Kent has done is he's worked with the the leader of his denomination in uh, the province of British Columbia, and he has developed a a very cutting-edge master's degree. It's on the cutting edge of education. There's nothing like it in theological education that exists, and he hammered this out. It's fully accredited by you know they're in Canada but it's accredited by the same board that accredits things here in in the United States and so we we have the privilege of having this relationship he's written three books on preaching and so I'm looking forward to hearing him <laughs> I'm also looking forward to listening to Joel Berry as well I'm not gonna be here but that'll be that'll be fun and I know he'll do a really good job bringing it. But I wanted to let you know that's coming up. I think you'll enjoy both those guys. They're going to share uh, some things God's teaching them. Joel is going to wrap up this series that we're in right now, TikTok. And then uh, I've given Kent the freedom to speak on whatever topic he'd like to. So that, that's coming up. wanted to let you know that's going to be happening. And as I said, we're in a series called TikTok, and the goal of our series is to help us align our lives with God's will so we can serve His purpose in our generation. There is a lot more going on than you feel every day. <laughs> God wants to use us for His purpose as we live out the details of our lives. Last week, we briefly walked through the story of Sarah and Abraham from the Bible. God promised to do the humanly impossible through them and raise up a nation, countless descendants, who would God would use to bless the world. This is is their promise. They ended up having to wait a long time for God to fulfill his promise. And this is the way God is. He will always answer in his own time. What that means often is we end up in the waiting room we're, we're waiting in the midst of our circumstances. We're waiting, and we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And God always comes through. We saw this. There's challenge was not not panic. That's what that's what she needed to do. Um, at one point, she did cave into fear, and she came up with her own plan—not God's plan, but her own plan for fulfilling God's promise. And that, that created a mess that we still deal with today. But eventually she overcame her fear, put her faith in God, which is the way you overcome fear. You, you trust God. You put your faith in Him. And uh, she trusted His faithfulness, and He came through. He always does. This is how God is. He will do what He's promised if we'll work with Him. T- today, we're going to look at Moses and... He, he's a famous guy from the Bible, and we're going to look at his story, a little bit of his story, and learn how to make most of our time through it, despite the feelings that we're unqualified. You ever feel unqualified for assignment? You you have. I I, I have, um, almost weekly. <laughs> um, I I think you'll find encouragement in the way God gave him an epic assignment, and yet provided what he needed to fulfill it. So we're going to look at that in a few moments. You you may feel unqualified and intimidated uh, at the scope of your God-given responsibilities right now. At work, maybe you have a complex situation. You're not quite sure how it's going to turn out. It's beyond your control, and it makes it hard to focus. The life of someone close to you you really care about, it might be unraveling, and, and you can't control the choices they make, and it weighs on you. you. You want to do something, you need to say something, you need to step in, but you're not quite sure how to do that. These are the kind of situations we find ourselves in. You could be trying to help someone change, but you can't make choices for them. And it seems like they always keep choosing the same things. You tend to think, doesn't matter what I do, they keep doing the same thing, making the same choices. God gives roles to play in life that challenge us. Think about it. Life would be boring if he didn't. I mean, that would be dull. Anything we face where we can't guarantee the outcome, thoughts come up of, for me, incompetence. I'm not Qualified to do this I'm not quite sure how this the the feelings of being unqualified for whatever role we're about to play can paralyze us we don't do anything because we don't want to make things worse (laughs) we don't want to do the wrong thing and send it off on you know a direction that we can't recover from this plagues our minds the sense that we're unqualified for the roles we're playing And while it plagues our minds and we spin in circles, the clock is ticking. It's moving forward, and something needs to be done. Many of us feel overwhelmed by the challenges before us from time to time. I I know I do. Rick Ankiel was a major league pitcher who developed a mental block in pitching. And I would like to watch a painful inning that he pitched that was the first sign of this Overwhelming uh, mental block that he he had, which I think reflects somewhat what we're doing. He he's the starting pitcher in Game One of the National League 2000 National League uh, Division Series, which means he's the best pitcher on a major league team. And and here's what happened.
1: In Game One,
0: Good Jones in the dirt, back to the stream, and over the second base goes Greg Maddux on a
1: wild pitch. It's a special. Another wild pitch over the head of Hernandez and back to the backstop. Hurt the Cardinals. Wow! To the screen again it hits off the backstop and right back to Hernandez. So Maddox didn't go anywhere. But Andrew Jones goes to second on the third wild pitch of the inning. Maddox at third. Andrew Jones at second. This will be the 27th pitch of the inning thrown by Yankee. And another wild one. And Maddox will score. It's ball four to Galaraga. He finally gets Maddox home. So he's really
0: like he's on ice skates back there right now.
1: Yeah, assessment from a, a long-time major league catcher, Buck Martinez. And there is the fifth wild pitch of the inning. Over the third, Galaraga. Over the second, Jordan. And now a base hit. Could make this a four-running wild pitch. And then Chipper Jones up, wild pitch, Galarraga up with runners at second and third, a save of a would-be wild pitch, and then on a walk to Galarraga, wild pitch, and now another wild pitch. We'll go into the
0: Wildness Hall of Fame, I think. (laughs) Oh boy, aren't you glad that there is no instant replay? for the times when you've made mistakes like that or you've been stuck or paralyzed or whatever. Uh, this is really hard for an old baseball guy to watch because th- this is this is how baseball is. It's won between the ears and in the heart. You need to be strong of heart to, to win after a certain level of ability has been handed to you. Um, and it's, it reflects what can happen as we're living life. We know this could happen. Something like that could happen. And so it paralyzes us. It, it keeps us from doing whatever it is we, we need to do. It's it's challenge. Like, to play our role in life, we need strength. And we need a place to go to to deal with these If we throw a bad pitch, we need to move on to the next pitch. And get that out of our mind. How do we deal with that? How do, how do we do that? God, God gives us some help. Thankfully, we find this in the story of Moses. He's one of the most famous guys in the Bible. And most of us know the general storyline of his life where he was the one God chose to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And there's been a couple movies made about that, a cartoon you know disney cartoon that might have been how how many people know about it but in exodus second book of the bible about 2 to 3 million israelites found themselves enslaved in egypt and god called moses from a burning bush great way to get his attention by the way <laughs> speaking through a burning bush and <clears throat> He gave him an assignment, and this is the description of the assignment. This is what we're going to look at, and so we're going to see how God hands out assignments, and then he gives what we need to do those assignments. Here's the passage. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites. So God promises blessing. He promises to, to, to do this. Uh, it's the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and a bunch of other ites. Um, <clears throat> And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, that's an epic assignment. And you and I, we have assignments from God. You, you may not consider them epic, but they are crucial. The role you play in life, the, the assignment, you're a member of a family, the role you play is significant in the family. And God has a purpose for you in it to fulfill and if you play your role well, people are blessed by that role, or, or not, you know, if you don't. You have a job. In the big scheme of things, it may not seem like your job's very important, um, but God wants to use you in your job, in whatever you're doing, to set an example, to reflect well on Him. If you're a Christ follower, He wants you to handle your responsibilities in a way that Reflect well on him to your boss and to your coworkers, the people under you at work if there are. So this, this is crucial. In church life, you may or may not sense the importance of what you're doing, but the church body working together is at the core of what God's doing in the world. So the role is, is, is important. In, in these ways, we're a part of God's story that is going on in the history of, of the world, He's working out his story all over the world through the people who will choose to work and cooperate with him to accomplish his purpose. Uh, on the other hand, you may be like Moses and acutely aware of the significance of the role you're playing. And it keeps you up at night trying to figure out how you're going to do it. Moses' story shows the Lord provides whatever we need to do his will. This is the great thing about the 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 characters in the bible the major heroes Moses i don't know if there's a more major hero than Moses they're real you get you get to see their real reaction and personally, I can identify with Moses' reaction here at, at, when God called him to do what he called him to do. It's his conversation with God that follows the burning bush section. That shows how God gives the help we need to play the role that that He's assigned us. First of all, He makes up for a lack of ability. Uh, Exodus three eleven. This is Moses' first excuse. I can count at least four excuses that Moses gave. Objections. God, you, I think you've got the wrong guy here. <laughs> I'm not this guy. I, I'm. I. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Uh Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, I, I don't have time to go into this, but there are a lot of reasons why. <laughs> God had actually arranged his life circumstances so that he was the exact guy in that moment to do what God was asking him to do. But who am I? He, he didn't think he was able to fulfill the assignment. He thought he was the wrong guy. Um, my, my grandson had a birthday party at our house on Friday, and he invited his kids' KidZone class, the class that he's a part of here at church, over to, over to the party, and he wanted a science party. And what that means is it raises doubt as to which he is, whether or not he is my grandson in one way, and that I would never choose a science party. <laughs> but he is my grandson, I guarantee. Um, but anyway, he wanted to the science party. His mom did a fantastic job. She, she had all of these chemical reactions and things that the kids and they were, just, they were just loving, loving it. It was really fun, but at one point, she was showing how she was going to show them how walking on cartons of eggs put together, they they're, just line them up on the ground, and you can walk on those eggs if you keep the weight evenly distributed on those eggs. And she explained this to the, the boys. And one of the boys said, well, walking on eggs, that's thats too hard. One of the other boys said, that's an enemy thought <laughs> from, from class. So that's an enemy thought because we're teaching them how the enemy, Satan, tries to get in our minds and help us feel unqualified or that whatever we're doing is too hard it was great it was an amazing thing and and that's what Moses is thinking here this is too hard they've been learning about enemy thoughts the great thing is they applied it to the situation that's amazing that's that shows you that our teachers are doing a great job in there I really appreciate the work they're doing Um, but anyway this is what's going on with Moses that's Lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's too hard. And I don't think I'm the guy. I don't think I can pull this off. We can have the same kind of thought and feeling when we're handling our assignments that God's given us every day, every week. I'm too messed up for God to use me. You know, like Ankiel. I've thrown a few bad pitches in my life. And I, you know, I'm so afraid that the next one's gonna go, that it ends up going that way. It can hold us back. I don't have the wiring to pull that off. I'm just not made that way. This is the way I am. I can't change. I, I have a trail of unfinished projects behind me, and I don't think I'm gonna finish this one either. These, these thoughts, they go through our mind. Here's God's answer to Moses. We take courage in it. He said, but I will be with you. That, that's his answer. But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Here's the sign when it's over. <laughs> when, you're, when you're out of Egypt, that's how you know I sent you. So that whole process... Walking through the wilderness, getting out, being chased, going through the Red Sea, ending up in the wilderness for 40 years and, you know, get sitting on the edge of the prom- All of that. Moses is still having to choose faith in God that, and, and rely on God. This is the way God does life. Past failures can haunt us. But if you turn to him, he'll forgive you. And he will be with you to give what you need. He gives us the challenges so that we don't rely on ourselves. We shift from self-reliance to God-reliance. That's why he gives the challenges. And he walks through all of them with us. That's the promise. That's the answer right there that he gave to Moses. He will be with you. Now... Uh, there's a second objection that Moses has and there's a second answer that God gives to Moses, excuse. And you find out in the answer, God gets behind the efforts to serve his purpose. He gets behind our efforts. He's working along with us. Moses' second major fear centers around influence. How do I know people are going to follow me if I try to lead them out of Egypt. I mean, that's an amazing assignment, but how do I know? Many things had to fall in place for Moses to be successful, but at the core of it all, he was afraid no one would follow him. He would be trying to help, and no one would respond to the help he was trying to give. And in many of the roles that we play, the outcome is beyond our reach. We, 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 can't, we can't accomplish what we're trying to accomplish ourselves. We can't, if we're trying to help somebody come to know Christ, we can't help them choose to follow him. They have to do that themselves. That's the way God made it to work. If we're raising our kids, we can't force them to make the right choice. We can see in living color what the wrong choice is going to do in their life, but we can't choose it for them. We, we end up in spots where we can't control the outcome. We can't sway our boss to do exactly what we know needs to be done in that situation. We need, we need help. We can't control this. We can't do it. And so here's how Moses um, posed the question to God. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Here, here's the scenario. You ever had somebody or you ever thought about somebody who's trying to get you to do something? And you thought, who, who are you to tell me what to do? This is what Moses is concerned about. He comes to the people of Israel. There's two or three million of them. <clears throat> and he, he says, I'm going to lead you out of the agony that you're in right now. And he says, God, when they ask who it is that told me to do this, how, how do I identify to them who that is? Where, where is my authority coming from? Where is my help coming from? Moses, he's, he's anticipating all this. And his fear is that they'll laugh at him, laugh it off, and he won't be able to have the influence that he wants to have in the life of the people. And we may have similar thoughts and feelings. Nothing I do seems to help. I, I can't do anything to change them. Who who am I to do this? Who am I? Who who? I don't think I can pull that off. I don't have all the answers or resources. I I don't know how how you know I'm. Sometimes we don't do the first thing because we're not quite sure what the second thing is. (laughs) We know we need to take a step, but we're not quite sure what step nine and ten are in the process. And so we hold back. People burned me in the past. I've tried to help and, you know, they just, they don't listen. They haven't, they haven't responded. Here's God's answer. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, there's there's a lot of meaning packed in that phrase, I am. What he's saying is, I'm the one who has always existed. And I'm the one who created the world, and I've given this assignment to you. God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, excuse me, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So, tell him I sent you. I'm God. I'm the creator of the universe. He goes on to to promise that the elders of Israel will listen to him. This is what he says, and they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go a a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So there's a promise that the elders of Israel are going to listen, they're going to follow and he also goes on to promise that Pharaoh, who is uh, Moses' stepbrother, will let them go. Now, That's a fight. It takes, takes a lot of persuasion. But he does eventually let them go. And so he promises once Pharaoh sees God's work through him that, that they'll be let go. When, when we do our part to serve God's purpose in the roles we play, God is working to move the hearts of people. He's working to arrange their lives and he's helping us accomplish our purpose. We can't see it. And it's not guaranteed that they're going to choose what he's moving them to choose. But he is working. He's at work. We can't see it, but he's there. He's helping. He's doing Moses has two more excuses for not doing what God is asking him to do. Uh, one of them revolves around, what, what if they don't believe that you sent me? So one is, who told me to do this? Who do I think I am? But the second one is, what if they end up not having the faith that they need to keep following? And a second one is, you know, I'm not, I'm not a really good public speaker. I'm not that eloquent, and so I, I think you got the wrong guy. Four different excuses. You got the wrong guy. Guy. I can identify with that. I don't know about you, but I can identify. I end up in situations. I'm thinking, oh, I know something needs to be done, but let somebody else do it. I don't want to I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the person that does this. And what God does is he gives signs to validate that Moses is sent from him and he gives his brother Aaron to be his spokesperson. So God meets his needs as he's going along. Moses could have wasted so much time focusing on the lack of ability he had to pull off the assignment God gave him, but God gave him what he needed to move forward. He stepped out in faith and God did some amazing things. Whenever we get stuck in our head, the Lord wants to help us move forward. We serve God's purpose by playing the role he gives by faith. It's faith in him. Psalm 37 5 is a command. That says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. If you commit your way to the Lord, you're all in. And what's implied in committing your way to the Lord is, and this is what Moses did, it's implied that you're going to do things God's way. You're going to pay attention to His boundaries, And you're going to stay inside those boundaries and you're going to go his way as you try to accomplish what it is he's assigned you to accomplish. After all the excuses, this is what Moses did. He committed to let God use him as God saw fit, not as he'd he'd prefer, (laughs) but as God saw fit. And here's what's said about him. At the end of Moses' life, as he's passing the baton of leadership on to the next guy who was Joshua. This is what's said. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, <clears throat> whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So that's the outcome. That's, that's the review at the end of his life of what God had used him to do. The most fulfilling life that you and I can have is to set ourselves to do God's purpose in our circumstances day by day. That is the most fulfilling life. God has promised to be with us to help us do that. He he wants to help you fulfill your role in the family, among friends and neighbors, at work, here in church life. He he wants to help. If, If you will go all in on playing your part God's way, if you'll commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, He will act. People will see God's power work through you and, and, and through your life to fulfill his purpose through you. Moses wrote a psalm, and it's, it's in Psalm 90, and it's really the backdrop of this whole series that we're, we're looking at or that we're digging into called TikTok. And this is what the psalm says. This, is, this, is, this shows you Moses' perspective as he lived his days. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is Moses' prayer, and it's packed with perspective and wisdom. God, help us to have the right perspective. Not to get stuck when we feel unqualified. Not to let that paralyze us. Not not to... Let those feelings of inadequacy sidetrack us and put us on the sidelines. I, I keep ending up in situations where I have to rely on God, and that's intentional. That's, God's, that's what God does. He puts you in circumstances so that you'll shift from self-reliance to God-reliance, that you'll recognize His presence right where you are and you'll lean on Him. There's a passage It's not in my outline and it's not, on the screen, but uh, something I hold on to all the time, second Corinthians three: five. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our competence is from God. If you 'll trust God, He will make you competent to do exactly what it is you need to do each day. But you have to trust Him. You have to set your heart to learn from him. Pick yourself up after you throw a few bad pitches. Allow God to restore you and strengthen you and get up and keep moving. But this this passage right here, Psalm 90, I keep going back to it. And it's packed with perspective. First of all, it tells us life is short. The average lifespan is 70 years, maybe 80 if you're strong. As of 2014, the average life expectancy for those living in the United States was 78.94. So Moses was pretty accurate. Pretty right on in his estimate. His prayer is that God would teach us to number our days. And so I did a countdown app. There's a countdown app called Big Day that you can get. And this is my picture of my app. And that's my 70th birthday. I have uh, not very many days left for my estimation <laughs> to 70, but 3,799 days. Now, I work with guys who have over 10,000. So I, I try not to get into comparison there. <laughs> and notice it's a picture that I use as a backdrop in front of Randy's Donuts. Because I might live beyond 70 if I didn't cave in to my desire to have an apple fritter as often as I want that that desire. But this is where wisdom comes from. Whenever I flip my phone on and shift over to the screen, certain screen, which I go to often, this, this number comes up. It's a reminder. That's how many days I have. That's, that's until 70. Now, I don't know. The you know, Lord may give me 10 more years. He may give me 20. I don't know. He may not, I may not make it to 70. But Moses is saying, teach us to number our days so that we make an investment that really matters with our life. God, help me not to waste the time you've given me by just letting it roll by and not paying attention to the fact that it's going tick-tock, tick-tock. The time is clicking. Help me, God, to play the roles you've given me in life with all the strength that you provide. Help me to do what it is you want me What roles do you play in life right now that scare you, that maybe you feel unqualified for? Maybe in family life. You you have a role and you're not sure your your kids are changing. And you know, that happens all the time. I mean you, you just get things set at this age and then they shift and then you gotta figure that out. So that's a God reliance thing, you know. <laughs> Can't rely on yourself, gotta rely on God. What what about work? Is there something going on at work and maybe maybe work itself, you're not sure if it's gonna gonna be there for you, or whatever it is. Or you're stuck on a project and you're afraid you're not qualified to pull it off. That's, in, that's all intentional. In ministry, you know what God wants to do through you. or You have a picture of the vision you'd like to see God do, but you feel unqualified. God wants to help you do it. God wants to give you what you need to play the role that he wants you to play if you'll turn to him for help. Here's a promise I hold on to as I set out to do what God's assigned me. Fear not, for I am with you. This this is what God told Moses. Fear not, for I am with you. I will be with you. That was his answer. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will give you what you need to do his will. This was God's answer to Moses. It's a promise that we can claim ourselves. As I wrap up this morning, I'd I'd encourage you to think through a way to respond personally to the message. What's your next step that God's laid on your heart? Maybe as I've been speaking, we've been looking at scripture, some steps have come to mind, some ideas have come to mind. God's spoken to you and you want to take that step to trust God and do what he's told you to do. Here's one suggestion today of a next step you could take. That you may have another or, or something else that he wants you to do. My next step today is to commit to be faithful to play the part God has given me right now. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to doing it God's way, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to watch him act. Because he always comes through. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for... Your kindness to us, your graciousness that when we uh, blow it and mess up, that you're so gracious that you'll forgive as we confess and straighten it out with you. You forgive, you give power to do what it is you've asked us to do in this life. And you've given us a very significant role. In the world. And I, I pray, God, that you would give us the strength we need to take, to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts, and that you would be pleased and honored as we do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.